Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today, Pastor Rex Johnson brings to us a special Valentine's Day message. And with today's sermon entitled, For God So Love, here's Pastor Rex Johnson. tell you a few stories today. I'm going to, I'm going to speak on six words for God so loved the world. You believe he loves us? You believe he loves us? John wrote in his uh, first John chapter four, he said, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test spirits and whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out in the world. Verse 12, he says, no one has seen God at any time. Now watch this. If we love one another, God abides in us. You need to love people for God's spirit to abide in you. Amen. Amen. I know that many people preach and we believe that a language of tongues is a wonderful thing to show the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But love has to abide in us. All right. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's talk about love today, all right? God bless you. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord. Thrifty Car Rental uh, sponsors an annual honeymoon disaster contest. They really do. They receive stories and everything from mudslides to Montezuma's Revenge. Such as this story, on their way to Nevada, Paul and Leah Lush of Sugar City, Idaho, flipped their car into floodwaters. And when they emerged, Paul, who had hit his head, couldn't remember the accident, couldn't even recognize his bride, (laughs) nor recall that he had gotten married. He was either trying to get out of that marriage or he really got hit hard in the head. (laughs) Then there was a story of Chris and Doug of Clovis to California, a big old football player and they honeymooned in Cancun, Mexico, and they lounged by the pool and ate a terrific seafood buffet and went to a show, came back to the room, and old Doug, all six foot four, 255 pounds out of him, tossed his wife Chris on the bed and then fell and landed on her leg and broke it in two places. Three hours of surgery later with a plate in her leg, eight screws to hold the plate in place, Chris was left with $11,000 hospital bill that the insurance would not cover. Happy honeymoon. Then there's May and Kyle of Richmond, Indiana. They were once finalists in the thrifty car contest. They took a cruise and were forced to listen to the comedian on their cruise ship talk about the Titanic, and he he talked about the Titanic movie. Then the couple awoke to a horrible sound of crunching metal and the captain ordered to abandon ship, and their lifeboat made it to shore at St. Martin. Yeah, that place, where the cruise line put them up in a nudist colony. (laughs) Happy, happy honeymoon. They were finalists. Today is Valentine's Day and I hope you've all received something uh, from someone that lets you know that you're special. If not, let me start right now. As pastor of this church, let me tell you today, read it on the screen, all persons here today are special and loved, really loved. You read the last line yourself. That's enough. Legend has it. That Valentine was a priest who served in the 3rd century Rome and there was an emperor at the time by the name of Claudius II. And Emperor Claudius decided that single men made better soldiers than those who were married. 
So he outlawed marriage for young men in, in hopes of building a stronger military. And Valentine, Valentine decided this decree wasn't fair and chose to marry young couples in secret. And the emperor Claudius found out about it and had him put to death. But before he went to death, he went to prison and he fell in love with a jailer's daughter. Before he was put to death, he, he sent his first Valentine himself when he wrote her a letter and signed it, Your, your Valentine. That's sweet now, isn't it? But he died. Words that are still used today. We may never know the true identity of St. Valentine. That's, that's legend. But this much is true. Valentine Day ranks second only to Christmas in the number of greeting cards sent. And florists do very well at this time. If you're in the floral business, you did good. As well as chocolate. <laughs> Anybody get any chocolate? I'm on a diet starting Tuesday. And the card business does well. Card business does very, very well. It's a, it's, it's a holiday like Christmas of loving and giving. I see this day as the most expressive, most expressive love day of the year. Christmas is gift giving and we say love with a gift. But Valentine's Day says love with an expression. Say, say it to somebody close to you. Say it to your wife. Say it to your special significant other. Say, I love you. Say it. Turn and say it to them right now. Thank you. Boy, there's a lot of love flowing in this house. <laughs> Every day Jesus was on earth, listen folks, was Valentine's Day. Every day of his ministry was Valentine's Day for somebody, somewhere, someplace. Because he always brought expressions of love. He always shared himself and he is the embodiment of love. In fact, Luke chapter 4, when he comes out of the wilderness, the Bible said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Say, he loved the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Say, he loved the brokenhearted. And proclaim liberty to the captives. Say, he wants me to, to, to understand he loved captives. And recovering the sight to the blind. He loved all kinds of blind people. Blind to his message and blind in their physical eyes. And to set at liberty those who were oppressed. He loved people that were oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he loved the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. Because you see, God is love and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus Christ came robed in flesh. And the Bible said, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, you're Antichrist. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, amen, to save us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So many preach and teach today that Jesus was hard. And there's a lot of preachers preach hard because they say Jesus was hard and he was unapproachable and many people are unapproachable and they're aloof because they say Jesus was and, they, and he was in a few places. He did have to stand up and be strong against people that were religious. But he never was that kind of person with somebody that needed help. You needed help, he was there. Didn't matter if you was a leper, didn't matter if you had just died, didn't matter if you were a pauper, didn't matter who you were, Jesus was there to help you in your need. If someone ever needed to leave a loving touch, such as ask the widow at Nain that had a boy that was passed away and she was on her way to the gravesite. Was Jesus unapproachable? No. He raised that boy up. Or ask the woman at Tyre and Sidon when he stepped outside of Israel to go to a Gentile nation. She had a daughter that was vexed with the devil. Was Jesus mean-spirited? No, he wasn't. Or ask the man at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. Was Jesus aloof? 
When he came and said, rise, take up your bed and walk, no, Jesus was not aloof. Or ask the demoniac of Gadara, was he a man with no compassion? Because, see, Jesus was the first man ever to come on that island without a whip or a chain in his hand. He wasn't there to beat him. He wasn't there to chain him. He was there to set him free. Amen. Or ask Mary and Martha at Bethany when Lazarus was laying in a grave. Was he inconsiderate? No. No, he wasn't. He never, never, he never, never was all of these things. You know why? Because they got back things that they had lost. Literally. The expression of love turned their whole world around. And I really believe that when people have expressions of love in their life for their mate or for their children or for people around them, that people get back some things that they have lost. I think love has a way of restoring. I do know it covers a multitude of sin. And I do know it's stronger than the the grave. And I do understand that God Almighty is great and wonderful and he loves us all. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands and say, I'm loved today. I'm loved today. Now, I'm going to tell you just a few stories today. I'm just going to share a few stories, and and, and I'm not going to be lengthy on any of them. And I know at least three of the families that I'm going to talk about today are in this service. And so I've received permission from all these families, and they've wrote me some beautiful things. But there's a family in our church named Silvio. The husband's name is George. His wife is Tara. He's He's an undercover policeman. And the first time that I really ever visited them was in a hospital a few years ago. She had just had a surgery. She couldn't have any more children. They tried to have a child. She lost the child back in 2008, I guess. They were baptized in this church in 2011. They work in the Sunday schools now. And they're just tremendous people. They had lost this child, and, uh, and, and, and they could not have any more children. And so when I met them, when I really went to pray for them, I want to thank Jonathan and Casey Laborde for turning me on to these precious people because they've been wonderful. But when I went to them, I, I, I told them that God was not finished with their life, that their life was going to be richly blessed. And one day, a few years later, in fact, it was, it was 2012. They were sitting in church just like this, and somebody texted them, and somebody had seen them and realized that they were without a child and perhaps had heard their story. And there was a young woman in the church that texted them and said, Can I meet you after church? I want to talk to you. And she met them and said, I have this three-month-old baby that I would like to put up for adoption. I'd like for you all to be the parents. How's that working in church for you? And so the, the, the story goes that they applied for adoption, and guess what? They got the little girl named Chloe. Hallelujah. May 2014, when she was two years old, they got her. And last Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, I was on the porch, put their picture up. I was on the porch, and I saw these precious people, and I saw them, and there they are. Look at them. Look, you think that kid's not spoiled? Look, that, look what she's got on her there. Look at her. She said, I'm officially a Silvio. I'm, an, I'm a Silvio. George and Tara, you understand what it is to not have biological children, but to understand the power of adoption. And here they are. Let's give them a great hand on this Valentine's Day. There's the Silvio family sitting right over here. It's amazing. Come on, clap real big. That's good stuff. And then a couple of years ago, in fact, October 2013, David and Amanda Porter, who could not have children, wanted children badly, and uh, two years and four months ago in a Bastrop County house, two little girls came up for adoption, and David and Amanda, people that I love very, very much, and he's such an encourager to me. And I was in that courthouse that day, and little Davina and Alma answered the judge when he asked them, who do you want to be with? They said, we want to be with them. I heard them say it. I got their picture, too. I got their, here they are. There's Davina. There's Alma. And you see that you see that pastor right there on that top left picture? 
I'm right in there, boy. You see all them people gathering. You know what they were there doing? They're there celebrating because you know why? Because here's people that could not have children well, uh, biologically, but they could have adopted children. Is that awesome or what? Is that an amazing thing? And on this Valentine's Day, I want to salute them. That man, that picture right there needs to lose some weight right there. Those two girls right there, he needs to lose some weight. Congratulate the porters. They're in the house today. If you see them after church, say, wow, what a neat story. And then 15 years ago this month, I was in Seton Hospital. A precious mother, Robin, had just lost her life giving birth to her fourth baby. 31-year-old mom. She gave her life to give a life. The new baby's name, born that day, February the 6th, was named Faith. She turned 15 this month. Last week, she came up to me and told me to. Every time she's had a birthday since she's a little girl, she said, hey, I'm getting bigger. My name is Faith. She still hugs me. She still loves me. And I've passed her now for 15 years. The father, Ed, was left with four children, including the baby girl. And then just three months later, one of our young leaders in this church, Tony Condry, a single man who was espoused and was going to marry a precious girl named Orissa, whose family is in this church, lost his life in a swimming accident on Lake Travis. And his fiancée was wondering why. And about August of that year, she and Ed met and decided that they kind of liked each other, started going to lunch, started doing lunch. Then a little bit later, in fact, 13 and a half years ago, I married him right here on this stage. And the blended family of a dad with multiple children and a mom with a single daughter share the blended family joy. Here they are today. Happy, happy, and happy Valentine's Day, guys. There they are. I called it. I called it the fairy tale wedding. That's what I called it, the fairy tale wedding. There's Ed, there's Darissa. Ed, I tell you, I kicked your coverage, buddy, but thank you for landing with Darissa. That's so sweet. And you know what? She's a, one of the top rated nurses in Austin, Texas. What else does a man with four kids need in his life besides a beautiful wife except a nurse? <laughs> God, you did good. Let's give the Nord Myers a hand. That's awesome. His name was Jim. Her name was Yvette. He was a Bostonian. We won't hold that against him. She was an Austinite. They met online October 2005. He came to visit, fell in love with this beautiful lady. The church she attended, then he moved here in May 2006. And it wasn't because of the church. Because of Yvette. Yvette. They were married right here, church, December the, in, in 2006. Jim was baptized the day of the wedding. Problems arose in Yvette's health, and she was in desperate need of a kidney. No matches could be found. They checked all around America until they checked Jim's compatibility. Guess what? The man from an illegitimate relationship of his mom and, and another man, born out of wedlock, but there's no illegitimate children in this world. You understand that? A man from Boston, finding Jesus, came here and was the perfect match. He was the perfect kidney match for his wife. And I'll never forget, January 28, 2009, I didn't even need this date from you, Perry's. On Wednesday, PJ and I went to the San Antonio Hospital. And there in the hospital, two smiling people were on two separate gurneys, a man on one and a lady on the other. And he was about to give a kidney to, to her, and she was about to receive one from him. They went back just this year for a checkup, and all things are going well. Happy Valentine's Day, guys, to the Perry's. But that's not all. That's not all. 
Knowing your vet would have trouble giving birth, paperwork to adopt. They started filling it out in like 2008. They come and said, Pastor, we want to be on the foster children program. We want to hope to adopt someday. And they received three children not long after that. And they thought, this is it. This is it. They got to keep them for six months. And then they were taken away. And they could not adopt them. And the Perrys came to my office and they were crying. And I was crying. And we all were crying. We huddled up. And I said, listen, kids, God is not finished. Received some children in 2000, September 2009. The adoption of the foster children happened in April 2010. Anybody in this house seen Ben and Tyler and little Emily? Two little twin boys and a little girl. Three of the neatest kids in the church. They're not fostered. They are adopted and here they are today. (laughs) Come on. Come on. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Jim, I'd like to say you married pretty too, buddy. You married pretty. Amen. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to say. Three of the four stories that I've just shared with you were stories about adoption. It's stories about people who perhaps could not but still did because they loved enough to do what it took to be adoptive parents. The other story is about a man who lost and had four children and about a mother, a woman that stepped in and said, I will be your adopted mother. I will be the mother for you. I will become the stepmother and raise you kids. And for the last 13 and a half years she has. My story is simply this. One more time let me say, Jesus is a loving Savior. He loves to make people that feel unloved a part of his family. For God so loved the world. Can you imagine if people that you know that walk among us can do this And we can celebrate Happy Valentine's Day with them. How do you think God feels about all of us today? Amen. Come on now. We were her lost. We were without hope, without any kind of future in our life. But because of Calvary, we stand here today. We rejoice here today. We celebrate here today because somebody showed unlovable people what it was to be loved today. Come on, rejoice in that. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. God led a sheep down one day to an apostle named Peter. He was on a roof waiting for dinner. And God let this sheep down and he said, Pete, I want you to, I want you to eat what's on that sheep. And there was all kind of, all manner of unclean beasts. And if you know Jewish culture, you know Jewish diets, they don't eat certain things. They won't eat certain things. And Peter said, I won't eat that because it's common and unclean. The Lord sent the sheet down again. He said, Peter, I want you to eat that. And he said, I'm not going to eat that, Lord. It's common and unclean. He said, Pete, I'm going to drop this sheet one more time. And I want you to eat what's on that sheet. Now, I believe with all my heart that if Peter would have said no again, the Lord would have dropped that sheet till he said yes. Because God's not going to let you alone once he gets a hold of you. And Pete said, all right, Lord, I will. He said, Peter, what I have cleansed, listen to this now, what I have cleansed, don't you call common and don't you call unclean. All these parents that I told you about today wanted to be adoptive parents. But the man that I'm preaching about today named Peter, when he went to Cornelius' house, he was a Jew going to a Gentile's house. He didn't want anything to do with adoption papers. He didn't want anything to do with adoption papers. In fact, he, wanted to, he did not want to go. But okay, Lord, all right, since you've knocked on my door three times, I'm going to go. So a man came and got him, took him to Cornelius' house. And Pete didn't more want to be there. He didn't more want to be there than he wanted to be any place. He'd rather be any place in the world. He'd rather be in the hospital, dead sick, than to be where he was that day. But because there was somebody bigger than him, 
because there was a savior that said, it's not about being a Jew. (laughs) It's not about being Abraham's natural seed. Peter, you're fixing to establish something that's going to bring people from every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue to me. You're going to preach a message at Cornelius' house that's going to convert some people that's not your nationality. It's not your kind of people. I'm going to adopt them today, Peter. I'm going to have an adoption ceremony today because these people have been given the spirit of bondage unto fear and they're not going to get that anymore. But they're going to receive a spirit of adoption whereby they can call Abba Father. They can open up their mouth and say, I belong to the same God that Abraham belonged to. Are you with me? And so Pete starts preaching. Now, he don't, he don't even give an altar call. He don't have time because while he's yet preaching the word, the spirit falls on him and they all were filled with the spirit of God. Wow. Peter didn't even get to give an altar call. You know why? God took it out of his hand because he said, son, you're not the adopter. I am. I'm the adopter. Oh, I wish I had a picture right now that I could put up of everybody, of everybody. Do we have a picture back there of everybody, just everybody? Look here, look here. I I want them to find that. Look at that. Anybody, anybody see that crowd there? You know who that is? That's us. You're, you're the Devanas and you're the Almas and you're the little Chloe's and you're the little Ben and the little Titer and the little Emily's of this world. Jesus Christ loved us enough that he sent a preacher that didn't even want to go preach the gospel to a Gentile nation. He let him go because he said, I've got some adoption I got to do today. And here we are in the house of God. Anybody want to clap your hands and say, I'm glad I got included? Hallelujah. Come on, shout a little bit. You were who unloved, you that were despised, you that were rejected, you that nobody wanted, all of a sudden became heirs and joint heirs. Heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. What a joy because Jesus wanted to adopt you. And on this Valentine's Day, there's nobody in this house that he doesn't love. There's nobody in this house that he doesn't care for. There's nobody in this house that he cannot forgive. There's nobody in this house that he won't heal. There's nobody that he won't save. I got to finish. These guys take all my time. That's all. I don't need any more time. I'm fine. In 1990, I... I came here. Many of you don't even know my story. You're new members. But in 1981, I lost a wife and a son to a tragedy. Drunk driver hit him and killed him. And they, they, they died instantly. And I had a little girl that survived the wreck. And she's in the church. She's in the church. In fact, she was one on the end here singing. It's my oldest girl. She was singing. My second oldest girl was to the right of Randy. My third oldest girl was to the left of Randy. Brad leaned over to me and said, Dad, thanks for building a good church here in Austin. And I said, my family's the reason. It's just a joy to have a family that loves God. I'm sorry. I'm going to quit this. But we built, we built, this, we built this church in 1997. We worshiped in it. It'll be uh, 19 years old this, uh, this Easter. Built that building over there 10 years ago. And uh, get ready. We're going to build another one. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's about our 10-year time. It's going to happen. Clap your hands. It's going to happen. Come on. It's going to happen. But when we, when we, moved, in, when we moved into this church, we moved out of a, 
a building next door that seated probably full 200 people. So we brought over, we brought over some folks. We didn't know what multiple service was then. We brought over some people, and, and we, were, we were so happy to get in this new place. That's 97. 98, we're still about bouncing along about the same. The balcony was not used at that time. I remember going up one day and preaching in the balcony, saying, we're coming. The balcony's going to be filled one day, and now it is. But in 1998, I was just kind of walking the aisles of this church, and I was praying, and I was asking God. I said, Lord, I've been to church growth seminars, and I've been to a lot of things, but what can I do to grow a church? Help me. And the Lord said, can you forgive? I said, yeah, Lord, I forgive. I forgive every Sunday. I don't retain sin. I remit sin. I love people. Love covers a multitude of sin, and I love people, and I don't think there's anybody in Austin loves like I love. I love people. In fact, I, I love you almost to a fault sometimes. But the Lord said, could you forgive the man that took your wife and boy's life? I said, now, Lord, that's getting a little close. Not, not that. But I said I would. I, I believe I have, Lord. It's, you know, it's been 17 years now. I believe I have. But sometimes you don't, you don't realize. You don't really realize that you're carrying stuff that you don't need to be carrying. And then he said, then he said could you pastor him? I said, God, what are you doing to me? I don't even know if I answered that, but I think I said yes. Vicki's my secretary. She's been my secretary the last 87 years. <laughs> been here a long time. Three days later, a knock came on that office door. There was a man standing there crying, Hispanic man, crying. He says, Pastor Rex here. Vicky said, yeah. So I, I told her, I said, Vicky, I don't want to take him back to my office. I thought maybe, I really, I really I thought maybe he, he needed some help, needed some financial help. He needed me to pray for him, whatever. He didn't need that. He walked in and he came into Vicky's office and he knelt down in front of her desk. And I sat behind the desk. I said, can I help you? I said, here's a seat there. He said, I don't want to sit down, sir. He said, I, I need to ask you to forgive me. I thought, oh, God, no. No. I said, what for? He said, I did something terrible to your family in 1981 in Dallas, Texas. And I've been in prison the last 17 years. And I didn't get a prison sentence when I did it. I got probation, but he said, I broke my probation. They sent me back four times. I broke my probation, and I, I've been in prison all but six months of the last 17 years. And he said, the last time I went to prison, I found Jesus. I found the Lord and said, the prison chaplain told me, you need to go find that pastor. He's a pastor. You need to go find him. He said, we looked you up and said, I, I want to come. I want to come and just ask you to forgive me because I want to live for God right. He was on his knees. I came out from behind that desk and I hit my knees and I wrapped him up. and I said, I forgive you, sir. I forgive you. I forgive you. I really meant it. I was crying bucket loads. It was like daddy had whipped me and I was, <laughs> is that kind of. And then when he kind of got his senses back, he looked at me and said, could you pastor me? Can I, can I bring my family here? Oh, God. 
gone too far now. I said, yeah, where are they at? He said, they're still in Dallas. I, I want to come get them. I want to move them to Austin. And in 1998, he moved his family to Austin. And you never heard it while he was here. You never heard it while he was a part of us, but he stayed for eight and a half years in his family. Many, many, many sides to that family. Many divorces, many remarriages. I had a man here at the time named Charles Chagois that was a master's degree in conflict and resolution. And we used to have to meet with him ever, about every month upstairs because they always had some kind of family issue. He had physical issues. He was, he was always hurting, always sick, carried an oxygen tank with him. But he walked among us for eight and a half years and I never singled him out because I didn't want you to know. I didn't want you to know that somebody, because I didn't want you to treat him badly or treat him extra good. I just want him to feel the presence of God and he did. And he left in 2006 and he's back in Dallas and he calls me. In fact, he called me so much I said, you got to quit calling me, man. I got things to do. You've done well. You're doing good. I love you. But here's what I'm telling you. It's a small sample. It's just a small smidgen of how much he forgave in you. I'm representing one that forgave us of our deepest sins. The things that we don't confess to anybody. The thing that people, if people found out about us, they wouldn't want to be around us. But Jesus Christ is a forgiver of sins today. He is a forgiver of sins today. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. He still remits sins today. Hallelujah. 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 And by the way, just for your information, our church in that eight and a half, nine years grew 1,200 members. It was a phenomenal growth for a church this size. It's never grown in that proportion since. And so here's what I'm saying. I'm like that old boy that his son Paco ran away from him, went to Mexico, and his daddy went to find him, wanted to get, get forgiveness. And so he said, he wrote a letter, Paco, meet me at Town Square. It's all forgiven. Everything's forgiven. The next day he goes to Town Square, there's 800 Pacos waiting for him. <laughs> Everybody needs forgiveness. You understand? Everybody needs forgiveness. And so on happy Valentine's Day, hey, Jesus is still a forgiver of sins. He still washes your sins away. He still helps you with your life. He's a great God. Would you stand all over the house? Would you stand all over the house? I want to do something very special today. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.